0: You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 131, brought to you by Vessi Seeds. Well, today, folks, we've got author Lee Reich here to talk about biochar and other popular soil amendments. Who is Lee Reich? Uh, He's got graduate degrees in soil science and horticulture. He worked in plant and soil research with the USDA and Cornell University. Now he's a writer, lecturer, consultant, all things related to gardening and growing things in the ground as well as an avid gardener with a very, very big garden. Uh, He's written many books and has been published in a range of gardening magazines, and his syndicated gardening column for the Associated Press appears biweekly from coast to coast. I'm assuming that's in the United States. Yes. His His garden has been featured in the New York Times and Martha Stewart Living, and has won awards from National Gardening and Organic Gardening Magazines, and has been included in Open Day's tours of the Garden Conservancy.
1: Lee, say hello. Hello. (laughs) Just one one correction there. Actually, uh, you know, when I wrote for AP, I just recently stopped writing for AP. Oh. But uh, I would get notifications sometimes when they appeared in places. And one time, uh, or a few times, it appeared, for some reason, in a publication in Borneo.
0: Wow. (laughs) So more than coast to coast right coast to coast to coast
1: and maybe in um, canada too
0: I, I i wouldn't be surprised and these days with everything being digital everything's everywhere anywhere if you're in one place you're everywhere so it's yeah. Uh, but it's it's handy to have uh, some sort of major uh, body um you know promoting your stuff saying your stuff's good that's always great right. um and uh so you let's just talk about books for a minute before we get into the con- the reason <laughs> we're doing this uh this particular podcast said <laughs> Lee wrote a, uh, Lee writes a blog. You write an article about every week yeah. and he'd written one on biochar and uh, wood chips and, simp- simp- you know, keeping things simple in the garden, not over, over complicating things. And it sort of struck a nerve with me. So I thought, okay, let's talk about that. So I invited him on the show, but then just before we started the show, uh, I realized that he's written two books since the last time I had him on my podcast. So uh, we have to have them on at least at least one more time in 2023 to talk about these books. And I suppose I should read uh, read them. Um, so, uh, Lee, maybe talk about your new books before we get into the, the meat of today's show.
1: Okay. The first of the books, which was <clears throat> a year and a half ago, Growing Figs in Cold Climates. This would include uh, Canada. And, uh, you know, very cold climates, maritime climates, where the this, this, summers are quite cool even oh. though it doesn't get super cold in winter and uh basically i've been growing figs for uh whoa decades and decades and decades and um and my first efforts were a failure but i've pretty much got it down now and uh and i just described various methods for getting figs to ripen in cold and what i call them cold and coldish dish climates cold-ish. <laughs> yeah, cold dish would be where it gets below Ten degrees Fahrenheit in the in this in the winter,
0: right?
1: I mean, where I live and I grow figs, it right. used to get down to minus twenty Fahrenheit, uh, but now it only drops a little below zero. So that that's my first book, and then not my first book. That was a uh, book of a year and a half ago, and then uh, just this past October, I had this book published, which is very different from my other books, because it's not a how-to book. It's a book about uh, some watercolors. were commissioned by the usda from about 1896 i think it was until 1946 and um and basically there's a lot of and and i I actually had just recovered from writing that other book so i wasn't that anxious to write another book but (laughs) uh, but the publisher described it to me first of all that these were watercolors commissioned by the usda and where they were headquartered and everything and um and it just seemed like, uh, oh, and also they gave me free reign. <clears throat> so there were 7,500 watercolors done and I was to choose uh, 250 of them, group them any way I wanted and write an introduction for the book and introduction for each grouping chapter. And uh, so I, after thinking about it, I think this book is really meant for me to write uh, for two reasons. One, because my one of my specialties and my passion is pomology or fruit growing. Okay. Secondly, that I did my uh, doctoral research at the Fruit Laboratory of the USDA, which is in Beltsville, right across from the National Agricultural Library, where they house those original drawings. Right. <clears throat> and there's just so many connections. You know, there's uh, certain very obscure varieties that that uh, were were painted way back then. And uh, I happen to know them because I, uh, there was a big collection at the USDA facility. And then when I worked for Cornell, they also had a collection of, of fruit. So there's just so many things that I, I felt like I had to write this book. So in the introduction, I, I basically talked about you know how I grouped them and why the grouping is like that and also some of the history of fruit growing which is was just quite interesting and and then uh little descriptions sometimes of individual fruits uh so it was just a, a writing's never fun but it was it was as close as uh fun writing can be and is it uh,
0: like a is it like a the history like what is your perspective are you, are you is it like is it a taxonomy or is it more like a history of
1: varieties
0: or is it about the drawings themselves like mostly is- just
1: the drawings and, and my writing is very is very minor it just introduces each chapter with uh, saying why i grouped them like this in this chapter right. and some history they might be associated with uh fruit growing in that chapter right. and uh yeah just some little tidbits of history and art and and uh and botany okay but- Really fun book. And the nice thing about it is, it's like very small. So I, I can put it in my pockets so if I go somewhere. And somebody, this happened to me. And somebody said, Oh, I heard about your new book. It just came out. And I said, Oh, you want to see it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I took it out. And uh, and for some reason, people get to hold it. They buy it.
0: Well, there's, there is <laughs> so that. Bought it for me.
1: Sure. Yeah. So
0: well, I like a- what you said about the, the figs, how like you, you really did summarize the. gardening experience but also i would say the spirit of the kind of person who's always going to be a successful gardener you said i tried growing figs and it was a disaster and then i figured out how to do it um and that's like i mean some things are easy to grow right but uh, a lot of times like you i've had a hard time growing um eggplant and peppers here really tough time Right. and this summer i grew the peppers you told me to grow And they grew.
1: Sweet Italia? Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Yes. I mean, I started them in, like, March indoors. I moved them out. Perfect. Um, They spent, like, you know, a couple weeks just deciding whether or not to die. And then they started to grow. Um, So, uh, and I actually got the first real bonafide, bountiful harvest they really put out. And I regret not putting a dome over them because it looked like we were going to get frost and then it didn't happen. We got an extra really, really late sort of uh fall yeah we um, did so yeah so i probably could have squeezed a little more out of them but that's. That, i mean that
1: that particular variety is really good tasting also
0: they're wonderful yeah. and so i saved the seeds from them because they're open pollinated
1: right.
0: um so i mean yeah i guess you know what do they cost Three ninety nine dollars for a pack but now i've got them yeah. forever as long as i just grow that variety um but that's i mean we bought this house in 2011 and i've tried to grow peppers every year and I mean, every year I devote like a four by eight or four by 10 space to peppers. And I get like three. Yeah. I don't mean three plants. I mean, three peppers.
1: Yeah. No, um, I tried. I tried for many years before I, I hit upon this variety. And um, and then the good thing is the taste because there was another variety uh, called uh, Sweet Ace that was read by Cornell. Right. It's really an early pepper. Right. It, it never tasted good. I mean, this also... One,
0: that's a good point. I grew, speaking of taste, because last time you were on, we talked about tomatoes and you talked about how you did this article where you grew all kinds and then you tried yeah. them and you realized almost all of them taste like crap. you got the hand, handful of them and, and uh, none of the determinants taste good and very few of the plum ones taste good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and certainly anything with the word uh, delicious or tasty. Right. And I think that I already ordered my tomatoes for that year, but I literally ordered a variety called Tasty Lee. Um <laughs> which are not they're all right but i mean they're not so you had told me to get amish paste um and those amish paste which is the most unappealing sounding name ever terrible marketing uh but those were the tastier than the tasty lee
1: Um, right
0: yeah so and they're also
1: really good uh canning or fresh
0: that's right so i think this year i'm just gonna Uh, monoculture it and go all Amish paste.
1: Not a a bad idea. If I was going to grow (laughs) one variety, that could be it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like in my family, I'm the only real uh, tomato lover, I guess. Like, I mean, my kids like spaghetti sauce and they like chili sauce and they like salsa and, you know, like that sort of thing. But they're not a big fan of like a tomato sandwich or
1: or I found there's a lot of people like that.
0: Yeah, but for me, like, when the tomatoes are ripe, I probably gain about five to ten pounds because I (laughs) eat, like, tomato sandwiches at ten o'clock at night when I'm watching television. Uh, It's just, uh, like, all these beautiful red tomatoes everywhere, and I make my mayonnaise from scratch, so I just can't, cannot resist. Uh Um, You know, it's, like, the the power of the tomato compels me uh, (laughs) to get into it. Um, uh, But anyway, so... Yeah, it's, uh, I love that idea of like, yeah, I tried it and I failed. And uh, you know, you, you know like, okay, I think I've got enough sun. And damn it, I know how to grow things. <laughs> it's got to be some way I can make this work, right? It's just right. a question of variety. And and so when you grow, and we'll talk about this when I have you on to talk about the book, but since we brought it up anyway, I mean, because this is what people, people want to know. So we'll leave them with the cliffhanger. When you're growing figs, because a lot of northern varieties of things that grow, they're actually like the size of peas and so you know what i mean like so they'll have like a variety of a something you can like you know there's like uh what is it um uh kiwi like there's a kiwi you can grow but then when you see it it's like it's it's not like the thing you mm-hmm. see in this, this this tiny little thing
1: no, it's not that uh, tiny they're usually about this big
0: the, the fig or the make uh... make it look
1: bigger look <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> The kiwi, I'm the a big kiwi. fan. Of, I'm a big fan of hardy kiwi fruit.
0: Okay, hardy kiwi, but your figs, like, are they? Oh yeah, a decent yeah. size. Yeah, yeah, I love figs. So uh, okay, so you know how to grow figs, have a decent size in a place where you wouldn't think you can grow figs. Stay tuned. Right. <laughs> At some point in a few months, I'll have Leon to talk. About. Or if you can't wait,
1: you can buy. There you go. You can read the book or that might be that might be uh, if you want to read that before you hear the podcast, just to make sure you're you're fluent.
0: That's right. Study before the lecture.
1: Right. That's what I meant.
0: (laughs) So you read the chapter before the lecture on the chapter used to be the advice the professor would give, although I I remember when I was in class, I found it was a uh, if I if I went to the lecture before the chapter, I could skim the chapter. (laughs) Oh, wow. <laughs> that's like a quicker way you just go to the lecture take good notes and then you look look through the chapter it's like oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay i got it <laughs> that's, young people don't do it that way but that's <laughs> you can do that <laughs> and you can get good marks doing that i guess it all depends on your style um okay so today we're going to talk about this this article you wrote on um biochar so first let's let's sort of go through I'm going to ask these questions to you because you wrote the article. I, I have a vague sense of what these things are, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm going to assume you know more. Um, so what is biochar? How do you make it? And why are gardeners gaga? Why are some gardeners? It's a really popular, almost faddish type thing. People right. get crazy. about. if you look on uh, gardening Facebook groups, people will show, look at the biochar I made. Oh, I made biochar. How do I make biochar? So yeah, what is biochar? How do you make it? If you're not going to buy it, and uh, why why are gardeners so crazy for this uh, this
1: amendment? So bio, biochar is basically wood that's uh, uh, burned, but not completely burned. So basically, what you have left is just the carbon, or some of the carbon, not not all of it that you start with, and it's basically just like charcoal. And uh, and if you want to make it, you have to incompletely you have to burn wood without giving enough oxygen. So you know, I guess. Yeah, they have biochar burners where, you know, you can regulate how much I've never used one. So I'm assuming where you can regulate how much air gets to it and you keep it at a minimum. And uh, I guess one good thing about it, e- even though it uh, is giving off some energy, it's making heat so you can, you know, regain some energy some way with, with that heat. Uh, <clears throat> so that's basically what biochar is. And uh, people are Crazy over it because the uh, you know it does have some good properties, but I think it's something that um, is overblown. Uh, th- the way it was discovered, I mean, I remember years ago when when people first mentioned it, they were looking in Amazonian soils, and they found that uh, there was a layer of very dark uh, soil at a certain layer, and it turned out that was from uh, burned wood but hadn't been um, completely burned with enough oxygen so it made this dark layer and i think that um one of the reasons people became excited about is because you know usually dark soil people think is a very rich soil because humus or organic matter is dark Yes. and sort of they conflated well dark soil here i found dark soil and that must be rich soil whereas it really doesn't add richness to the soil it does have certain beneficial properties so, so it let's doesn't, let's let
0: Well, steal man that position. So why, what are the beneficial properties of it? Like why why would I want a whole bunch of biochar? Why would why would I put a bag in one of my gardens and work right. it all in? Why would I want to do that?
1: So it has a lot of uh, uh, you know my, microscopic or very small pores in it, and those pores can uh, can uh, provide home for microorganisms, which is a good thing. And uh, and also it can latch on to certain chemicals. It's sort of like activated charcoal. You know, right. there's a there's a lot of a lot of surface area for a given volume of activated charcoal and things can be caught in there, and that's that's a good thing. Oh, and, like in,
0: in the same way like you'd have a charcoal filter so that yeah. the air goes through, but all the bad stuff, the tear gaskets
1: <laughs> Yeah, and same thing with water. Doctor. You know with water charcoal filter also and yes. then the, the other thing that that made it even more popular now <clears throat> is because uh as far as global warming people are speaking of ways to uh to uh, uh trap carbon so that so it doesn't become carbon dioxide and go into the atmosphere so uh biochar is very since it's just carbon it's not an organic form of carbon it's just elemental carbon right so it, it can't be attacked readily by micro, even though they can live in it. The microorganisms can't eat carbon, so right. it lasts a long time. So you have this this wood you make it into biochar, you bury it in the soil, and it's not going to go anywhere for a I mean, probably eventually something will get it, but but uh, basically it, it won't go anywhere for a long time. So that uh, you know sequesters carbon.
0: Oh, so it's like you're you're taking the the wood and keeping the carbon a portion of the carbon of the wood and you're turning it into a kind of spongy rock
1: right (laughs) something that that is just going to stay in place it's not going to go into the atmosphere yes so i guess after saying all that it sounds like like i'm a big fan of biochar (laughs) (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) yes well okay so so I, I'll ask the next question. Do you oh, wait, remember- oh, wait.
1: First, first. I like the question, of why are people gaga over it?
0: Yes, okay, yes, yeah. Sorry, so
1: so right. I think I think because people really just like to, you know, if they can complicate, I don't know why, because they wouldn't phrase it this way, but something about people uh, see something that's complicated, it seems like it's got to be cool and, and work better. Right. And this is like something you can do rather than, you know, just spread compost or something just put biochar there, char there and, and stays in the soil for a long time, has these benefits. And, uh, and you go through the great trouble of making the biochar or you go out and buy it. And I think the story I told in my blog post was uh, that a friend of mine uh, who gardens, uh, she told me she uh, had just read about biochar and uh, I don't know if she bought a biochar maker or anything, but she said she can't wait to get get home and like make some biochar now yes and and geez for that same effort or time but i guarantee this was about you know a few years ago and i right. bet that she's not making biochar anymore
0: i have a funny feeling like in addition to that aspect i mean there's always been a portion of any given population that the the snake oil salesman can sell snake oil to right, right. like i i remember i used for years i used to get various muscle pains and i put a535 or different kinds I, I had like every kind of liniment you could imagine even a horse one we have the stuff here it's called menard's liniment it's like this um it's got uh, turpentine in it right oh. it smells like you wouldn't believe it's some people call it old-timers call it white rub but it smells like paint thinner right uh, anyway i tried all these different things you know and uh, i remember i saw a doctor once and the doctor's like you know you're better off just, you know, what do you do all the time? What do you do more than anything else? Is that I like to sit at, do stuff at a computer. He says, don't sit at the computer, move around, do the dishes, do some light like work. take a walk, take an ibuprofen, get a good night's sleep. You know, like, like, all the stuff you don't want to hear. you know? Too
1: simple. Too simple. Nobody wants to do that. They want yeah. something. <laughs> just like, like just, and do something.
0: Just go about your life. Don't push things too hard. Get a good night's sleep you know, which is, was the best advice. Like it does seem to help a lot. And I, I don't use any of that stuff anymore, but I used it for years. Cause I almost like, I like the idea of like, there's this magic stuff I put on and you, you know, and with a lot of things, it does get better over time. Right. So, I mean, if you put the biochar in your garden, you're not adding nutrients to your garden. You're, you're giving, right. something, you're giving a, an edifice for nutrients to stay in your garden conceivably. Right. Um, but from one year to the next, you can just have a good year. So if you put the biochar in you have a good year, ah, it was yeah. the biochar, right? You know
1: also there's this um, sort of where people when they do something like this, they don't necessarily have uh, view it objectively. what happens? So you oh. know if you know the slightest you know they'll they'll sort of uh, favor viewing the the benefits. You know, if there are different things happening in the garden, and sort of overlook the uh, the downsides. I mean, there's a lot of things in gardening. Oh yeah. Don't get me don't get me started on because there's so many things that. Uh, I once gave a talk for an organic farming conference. <clears throat> uh, I called it the, <clears throat> the skeptical gardener, where I was yes. going to talk about uh, about four things, and uh, I, th- I think uh, people got offended because uh, some people because <laughs> some people walked out right at the beginning my talk. What I was going to be dissing oh. um, but anyway, with the biochar, the downsides I mean not the downsides the reason not to do because those are beneficial but uh I guess I just uh, figure if you had like a like a pound of wood and you're gonna chip it and then make it either into biochar or mix in with the soil where eventually it would break down form humus and uh you know you know which which would be better for the soil? And I contend, whereas the humus, the, the wood itself, the raw wood, would eventually totally break down. So it does not sequester carbon. But, you know, I'm not sure how much carbon for our whole planet is being sequestered by people using biochar. I mean, you know, you know, think twice before you drive to the store for, you know, a, a gallon of milk. That would probably do a lot more of everybody in the planet than that.
0: Yes, yes, exactly.
1: But... Uh, or- but so, so you know, so so you bury this uh, wood in the soil and let it uh, raw wood in the soil and let it decompose. You're actually feeding microorganisms. You're also uh, the organic matter has has uh, charges on it, so it can cling to nutrients also.
0: Yes, it
1: adds to the porosity of the soil, just like it does everything that biochar does, and more. So right. that's that's why I think that that it that's better. There is actually one case I was uh, I was reading about this. One instance or one situ, kind of situation where biochar uh, is beneficial, which and is? That, same, uh, which is? <laughs> I'm not saying because I don't no. want anybody. To know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. The reason uh, they were doing some research with uh, through Cornell with planting uh, city trees, trees in the city, <laughs> and uh, that's okay. <laughs> and the, planting city trees in the country, no. Uh, planting trees in the city. And, you know, they, they, you know, they plant them in these small amounts of soil and the soil often gets compacted for various things. So because biochar lasts so long in the soil, it, it can be used to, uh, you know, quite, you know, for long, long term to change the soil texture. So it can take, you know, compaction. I mean, it can be take traffic without being compacted. And that seemed like you know the same thing if you put perlite in the soil or gravel in the soil might do the same thing but this is just another you know it has those other benefits so this this is a good use i think of biochar
0: you're talking but about I, you know, as a city you mean like where people are walking like in a park or yeah. a I say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
1: but i'd say in a garden uh you know any effort you make you know uh you know surely making uh biochar would be better put in making compost or, you know, all sorts of things you could be doing with that time that would be better used.
0: Yes. Well, that's like brings us to the next question, which was like, which is the question you should always ask. I think if you're considering an input, uh, especially if the input, it requires considerable time, money or work. Right. Do you need biochar to have an
1: awesome garden? Oh, definitely. One hundred percent. No no <laughs> so, okay so for and you, better, gotta, you, gotta, you know. gotta visit any any great gardener and you won't see biochar and all these other things that i dissed for my talk at that conference <laughs> Why well, we should uh, i need to know what these things are
0: um that'd be a great uh, that'd be a great one uh, geez, maybe we just do the entire uh, podcast season with uh, a heavy dose of lee reich um yeah, I think
1: you should <laughs> snake, oil, snake oil in the garden uh no it was called uh you know, this thing's uh, uh, garden elixir or snake oil. <laughs> is that,
0: oh, that would be the title of it, you mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I agree, that would be good. Um, now, the other thing is the concept I think of is like, okay, I've got a, I've got a truckload of, of dry sticks of wood, okay? And I, I come home and I'm in my driveway and I said, I am going to make biochar with this wood. <laughs> And my question is, and I don't know if you can answer this, but maybe you could ballpark it. How much of the wood do I need to use to make the biochar? Like when I am when I actually have biochar, how much of that wood will be but biochar and how much of that wood just going to go up into the sky because I've burned it? Because I need to make, let's say I do it these traditional ways where I make a big pit, I get a big fire going in the pit, I throw everything in the pit, then I cover the pit with dirt. I come back the next day and dig it all out and I've got a bunch of charcoal.
1: Yeah, um, I don't, but of I don't course, know
0: you know the, the, the amount of charcoal I had would not fill the back of a truck now, um <laughs> right? You're so, saying what,
1: you're saying what the ratio would be like wood to biochar? How much? How
0: much? Yeah, like, it, like, am I really sequestering? Like, am I net? Am I net positive or net negative in terms of my ecology? Am I really saving the environment by burning a pile of wood to make but, some charcoal to stick in the ground?
1: Well, the wood would have eventually got, become carbon dioxide whether you burned it or, or it decomposed. So that that's that. You're definitely putting less. Uh,
0: carbon
1: but i that, guess oh, from that oh idea. that that reminds me of one thing i forgot that uh you know the whole thing about wood uh decomposition it although it gives off carbon dioxide because it's uh you know microorganisms uh, chewing on these things and and metabolizing them and giving off carbon dioxide just like we do but uh, there's good things about uh decomposition that that's how plants get fed as 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 organic materials are, are decomposed nutrients are released yes. and and this keeps and this and as they do that it feeds these micro microorganisms so we can have a lot of them so so it's not a bad thing to have decomposition and i i think on the balance i'd rather have decomposition and you know and also because as i said i don't think biochar production or use Is now or is ever going to significantly affect the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? Right. So you know, there's other ways. You know, you look at major sources of carbon dioxide. You know, even in the garden, or uh, you know, tilling a soil, but surely over tilling it. This this uh, adds a lot of oxygen to the soil, so organic matter burns up. Right. and burning up organic matter is a good thing because it has those benefits. It releases nutrients, but you don't want to burn it up too fast. That's why um, I actually also wrote a book on weedless gardening. And one of the main things is not tilling the soil. And I haven't tilled my my vegetable gardens for uh, about 30 years. Yeah. This, does, this also sequesters carbon. Absolutely. But the, but the carbon is being burned off a little, and not burned off, but decompose and giving a, a slow yeah
0: it's, just, yeah, it's just a slow, slow cycle. cycle yeah, yeah. and
1: yeah. and i think, you know and you look at the um you know the major sources of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere now and uh i don't think it's wood decomposition <laughs> <laughs> i mean tilling tilling might be i don't know how significant but tilling has an effect yeah but, and and there's a big push i mean a lot of big farms don't till anymore but, you know, uh, cars, factories, all sorts of airplanes, all these things. So, um, okay. So the other thing you talked
0: about was you talked about like wood chips as a, as an alternative because biochar is wood, wood chips right. are wood. Um, but in the article, you were talking about ramial wood chips. So right. it's like when you hear people talking, it's this is especially big with the sort of back to Eden uh, types, a whole uh, documentary, which got a lot of people into gardening inspired a lot of people to become gardeners um but there's a real focus in that particular documentary about the wood chips being rameo wood
1: chips actually yeah. i don't I, I saw that i i uh unless it's a different one i thought i saw it but i didn't think they were emphasizing rameo wood chips that much this
0: is the one it's it's very uh there's a lot of religion in it
1: all oh, um, right is his name paul something
0: paul Gauchy, yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. Right. So i didn't, i didn't
1: remember the rameo part
0: he well he says they have to be branches of trees is what he says. Yeah. Uh, which,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: So I don't think he uses that technical term. Um, oh. but that's what he's alluding to. They, they're branches with leaves. And I think
1: ramial. I'm trying to think maybe it's less than two and a half inches in diameter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so why, well, why don't we, a, a rough definition of what what we mean by ramial wood chips.
1: So ramial wood chips are, are chips made from uh, any tree stems that are two and a half inches or less in diameter.
0: And why are and so if you go to a tree service, they have both. <laughs> sometimes they, they chip up a stump, and that's just pure wood. And sometimes they have the ramial wood chips. Um, why would a uh, why would one have a preference for a ramial wood chip?
1: Well, the only and I've read uh you know some of the papers on it, and I have to say nothing ever convinced me that it was worth anything, once again. Right. And uh, and the advantage of Ramio wood chips over you know just any old wood chips, even just a chip stump, which is mostly just heartwood, um, is that it has because it has the cambium like, more ratio of cambium to wood, and and there's uh, more nitrogen there, so it has more nitrogen than than uh, you know if it's just heartwood.
0: Right. So you're saying it's got per per pound of wood, it's got more bark and more inner bark where all the sugars are yeah. and that sort of, and it might have more branches and more leaves and more pine right. needles. And yeah. um, so conceivably, you get, you get more,
1: you get more nitrogen mixed in
0: conceivably. If you had a, a pile of ramial wood chips and a pile of just pure wood wood, uh, heartwood wood chips, ramial wood chips would get hotter quicker yeah. um, right. in principle because of the yeah. presence of nitrogen and, and, um, and sugars, I guess, and um, to, to get that whole bioactivity going so um do you need why are gardeners um so crazy for What like what why is there a a, a preference for that?
1: Uh, probably because they read it and believed it
0: <laughs> Yes, a guy said it was right why not I, I know
1: that because i've there's been some things in gardening where i you know i i I, I tend to be uh, skeptical about everything I want to check you know if I hear something or if it doesn't seem like it rings true I like to go to the source and I've you know gone to uh the one source that most people go to for this and uh actually it came out of Canada it came out of uh Laval University oh, wow. and yeah. uh and it's very unconvincing basically the only um there's nothing that says well we did these experiments and then you know, this shows this but I've no doubt that it's higher nitrogen if so if that's the experiment, i would say yeah that's great but that still doesn't make it worth it but um <laughs> you know but it wasn't even that it just kept saying how rameo wood chips are a good thing right in ways and uh, yes yeah, so i think people have read it and uh, once again it's an idea that's a little more you know it's not just straightforward just chipping wood and getting wood chips. So you got to do something special. You have to some way find wood chips. But I think I might've said this in the article that, <clears throat> so I have a, I'm a big fan of wood chips and I have a sign uh, periodically when I need it on on the street in front of my house, just says wood chips wanted, there's a big pile there or I just, if there's no pile, I put, you know, an arrow. Dump here. Dump <laughs> here. And uh, and if I said, if I said, Rameo wood chips only please, yes. They'd laugh at me, yes. <laughs> yes, or they wouldn't even laugh at me. I would never get any wood chips. I mean, you know, you, you get wood chips are a waste product. You know, very valuable and good waste product for for gardening, of uh, arboriculture. See, so you, you know, some arborists they're gonna like, okay, here's first we'll we'll do all the all the things over two and a half inches. Then we'll do all the all the all the things less, and, and we'll keep these separate. You, you were you serious when you said you go to a, a a place and they have them separated? Me? Yeah, didn't you say that you, you can go to a place that sells or, or an arbor? Yeah, so I thought that didn't sound like, no be true. <laughs> no, yeah, you have have to be. check. You have to check the recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I thought you said, maybe it's meant hypothetically, you could go somewhere and you have a choice of buying this or that, but yeah, I wouldn't waste my money on- No, great. and
0: I mean, when I've dealt with, um, I used to mulch my entire, all my walking paths with wood chips, and I mean, I don't live in the town. I live outside of town. So they, uh-huh. it's it's a pain for them to come here. Like they're, they're almost never out here. Like I live where I live. If someone has a tree come down, they buck it up with a chainsaw and they throw it in the woods or they burn <laughs> it. They don't call a tree service to deal with it. Right. You know. Or they get their neighbor to if they're like old or if they don't have a chainsaw, their neighbor comes over and does it for them. Yeah. You know, or someone someone just show a man shows up with a chainsaw, makes the tree <laughs> go away. You know, it happens very quickly, right? So there's really not a lot of uh, call for tree services out here. So if I want wood chips for my walkways in my garden, I, I mulch them with sand now as a sort of experiment I did. All the walkways are mulched with sand. Um, but I used to use wood chips. Once a year, I'd have to get a, like a, like almost like a, a truckload, eight cubic yards of the stuff to just use everywhere and then shovel it sand? all. In.
1: Sand is really heavy.
0: Sand's really heavy, but it doesn't biodegrade. Right, you don't need a truckload every year. Well, right? well, the
1: thing is about wood chips. For well, that's what I was going to say for that particular use. Also, in my vegetable garden, I I use chips in the path because uh, it's nice. It's a nice mulch. There's it's really no and nice. it. and uh, the thing is, if you get if you get Ramia wood chips, you have to replace them more often because they'll break down. They'll decompose. Right.
0: So I was going to say that the guys I deal with, the number one rule is they said if we come out there, everything that's in the truck it going in your driveway Oh yeah of course <laughs> Dump, you know big pieces of log rocks whatever it's all coming out we're not like it's not like you're getting this or that and then i i remember saying this was a number of years ago when i used to do all this um i'd ask them for the tree branches and they'd always say oh you don't want that because because they when they sell wood chips they're selling it to people for their ornamental gardens right where they they want it to last and they want it to be a certain color. They say, oh, we got some really nice red. And it's like, well, <laughs> I want the stuff with all the leaves. And stuff. You know, like, oh, no, you don't want that. That stinks. And it breaks down and it won't last sort of thing. And I was trying to, so it is very difficult. I mean, I suppose if you live in a really big city where there's just, you know, a lot of a lot of tree service activity going on, not a lot of gardening, maybe it is abundant. Um, but yeah, you you are right. They kind of look at you like you're nuts. If you're asking for this, no, I, w-
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't even ask somebody. It'd, it'd be uh nobody. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess if you had your own chipper, and you had your country, you know, plot, and you had trees, when you, you could chip, it would. It would be such a, a bother to just like separate out these these woods. I mean, you know, I I, I was chipping some. Stuff with a friend uh, this this past spring, and if we had to separate it out, I mean, it's enough trouble just to get all the stuff through the chipper, and you don't want to spend like inordinate amount of time doing it.
0: Well, let's give people a, a sense of context because they're they're listening to you talk and they don't know anything about your garden. My newer viewers um, don't know anything about your garden, the scale that you garden on. Uh, so uh, I'd be I would hazard to guess that your my garden is twenty five hundred square feet. That's everything included. I got a couple little satellite herb beds here and there, but I would hazard to guess your garden's larger than mine. Certainly, your orchard's larger than mine, more trees and stuff like that, for sure.
1: Well, well my vegetable garden is 2,500 square feet.
0: Just the vegetables. So, my well, whole the, thing's that.
1: Well the, com- well, the combined, I have two vegetable gardens and a greenhouse where I grow vegetables. Right. Uh, but then I have a lot of, I have, I have actually too much garden. When I, I do workshops here, yeah. and uh, when I do workshops, the first thing I tell people is don't do this at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's really too much I'm really trying to cut back. it's really I have too many you know you know there's a, a writer from the late 1800s a great writer called Charles Dudley Wardner and he wrote uh, I don't have the quote, I should have the quote, but uh, some uh, uh, some some gardens are all experiment and and you don't get enough from them. So my garden is really because you know say I grow pears. So instead of planting like two regular pear trees, I want to try all these different varieties that I can get, you know, I know how to graph so I can make the trees if they're not available. So I have like 20, 25 varieties of pears. And it's just, it's just, so now I just want to, I, I know which ones I really like, and I'll pair, them, <laughs> pair them down tear them down yeah, yeah but uh but anyway so i use the wood chips in in the uh, paths of my vegetable garden around trees and i had a really gigantic pile this year and it was the most beautiful wood chips they were all like nice and and you know just a nice size and not yeah. a lot of branches which which i don't like just because it makes it more of a hassle to spread them yeah but i was almost uh reluctant to use them because it was such a beautiful pile i, I know a friend <laughs> A friend, a friend came by and he said he had a wood chip envy
0: <laughs> yes i i totally get it well so i just i wanted to bring that up because like so you've you're gardening on that scale and you've got a, a, a sizable amount of tre- a number of different trees and and not just pear trees right you got all kinds of different things yeah, um and you don't own a wood chipper and you don't chip you just you know you just you just get them from a tree you just get them as yeah, I, from
1: i actually uh Bought a very, very small one a couple years ago. Yeah. It was so slow and it was, it's just not worth it. Yeah.
0: If you've ever been like, there was one tree service, he said, well, We won't bring it to you, but you can come get it. So I was just watching him throw a tree in the thing. And it just Wah! goes out the other side. You know,
1: some of the big chippers will do <laughs> yeah. a tree quick.
0: Eight inches. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, not, believe it. I don't need to. I don't actually have that much stuff that i have to chip anyway and anything that uh when i do all my pruning i can uh, gather up the pruning and and my uh, uh it's not called the dump anymore basically the town dump yeah they you can bring it there and they actually chip it all and they make it into compost i used to live
0: in a, a town uh in in nova scotia here it's a, I've written like a number of counselors in, near where I live. And they said, oh, no, that's impossible. I lived in a really small town in rural Nova Scotia. And they had a, a tub tub grinder.
1: Right. that's what That's what they have.
0: And I mean, this is a small little town in rural Nova Scotia. And everybody, every Saturday from noon till five, anyone can go there, get rid of anything they've got. And take as much of that stuff as they they all is ground-up stuff, right? And everybody called it black gold. Um, and I, all my gardens were covered in it. That's where I started doing all that sort of stuff back then. Back then, I didn't always go in a vegetable garden. I'd put it uh, on my rose gardens. Right. And uh, actually, there's an article I wrote where I was saying that's—that's that's how I get into um, using wood chips and mulch and, and no-till, um, because you know I'd always have like a couple spare tomato transplants, and I'd stick them in the rose garden. And they don't grow the ones in my <laughs> vegetable garden. <Right>. A <laughs> well, rose that, garden was never tilled. Right.
1: My town used to do that too. Where you just take it, but now they uh, they actually Wonderful. mix it with uh, food from you know from the schools and stuff, and oh. make it compost. And this and they sell the compost. So, but uh, well, that's well, okay. It's it's worth it.
0: Well, speaking of mixing the food, so I mean, a lot of people. Let's say let's say someone was you know they, they really wanted the ramial wood chips and all they could get was just regular wood chips hardwood wood chips and they're i mean the old, the only hang up one might have is that it doesn't have the nitrogen um so i mean for me you could just put any kind of manure on it for that right. matter you could pee on it i suppose i mean there's right. lots for of ways
1: even better what if you're using it you know pe- people people whenever i talk about uh, mulching with wood chips people say well what about you know say red but, uh, you know, people often have written how, you know, wood chips, because they are uh, so high in carbon and low nitrogen, that uh, the microorganisms, when they want it, when they start decomposing the wood chips, have to take nitrogen from the soil. That's right. Yes. So that They can decompose it. And, and they're actually better at taking nitrogen from the soil that plants are, so the plants would be starved for nitrogen. So that's why people are wary about using wood chips especially if it's not going to be as high in nitrogen as say Ramial wood chips but the thing is that only happens if you mix the wood chips into the soil yeah. if you lay it on top of the soil and this not only this is in theory but i've done this for decades and i've spoken to tons of other people who've done it for decades if you lay it on top of the soil the decomposition is at oops, the decomposition is at the interface of the soil and the uh, wood chip mulch layer. And it's, it's so slow. And this, this tie up of nitrogen that occurs, eventually the wood chips uh, once, you know, as the, the bacteria and fungi work on it, then the nitrogen's re-released into the soil. Yes. So, so and, and this interface of soil and the wood chips, they, uh, is, is Pretty much re-released at about the rate that's tied up. So, so you <laughs> 100% do not get any nitrogen tie up uh, by using wood chips as a mulch. And if you did want to dig it in the soil for some reason, yeah, just add some sort of some form of nitrogen to uh, to balance out the uh, temporary temporary tie
0: up. Yes. No. I did the same this summer. I couldn't get enough uh, mulch. I was just uh, I normally uh, in the fall and in early spring. I just uh, troll the downtown neighborhoods on my way to and from work and grab people's leaves. Right? Uh-huh. That's I, mainly what I use is leaves, because um, people put them in bags for me.
1: <laughs> I do the same thing in entire city. <laughs> I, have an e- I have an email. Well, there's a there's a uh, housing development uh, about two miles down the street, and right. tons of trees and they're very close houses that so everybody rakes their leaves. And I have an email list. They tell me when the leaves are ready. I come pick them up. Oh wow. And I always say it's like uh, it's like a time machine in reverse because, you know, they're putting all the stuff in the bags and then I take it here and I take it out of the bags. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so this
0: this season, I didn't have enough of that. And uh, I had a number of beds that were just all like everything that was on them was gone. And just, you know, into the getting into the guard into uh, late July sort of thing. Uh, so I went to uh, a place that sells stuff for horses and I just bought this bag of super compressed uh sawdust. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, it wasn't sawdust. It was like
1: pine shavings.
0: It was pine shavings, right? So this is like zero nitrogen, <laughs> zero anything, though you know, conceivably the worst thing to put on your garden. And I put it on a bed where I had um uh cucumbers and um parsley and um the cucumbers were ruined before I put it down like the cucumbers just did not grow properly this year first year and never that I've had a failure with cucumbers um uh, but the cucumbers were planted before the parsley um so anyway the parsley grew just fine in those yeah. you know golden <laughs> you know they grew completely fine yeah right so yeah perhaps if I would stirred it all in without doing anything but yeah I just put them on top they yeah. did a great job of conserving the moisture and everything um you know only because those are so uh fine i only needed like an inch right um and then yeah later in the season when fall happened i just dumped a bunch of compost on top of it and we'll deal with it next spring
1: i mean it's just like with the biochar you just simplify it dude you don't have to get complicated to have a good garden
0: that's right yeah exactly um so yeah, I had another question. Said if I had a mountain of wood chips, should I put them on my soil in my soil, or try to convert them into biochar, biochar and put them in my soil?
1: Well, that that wraps it up nicely because uh, put them on your soil. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> it has a lot of benefit. It has a lot of benefits as a mulch. You know, conserving water, making sure so the rain goes into the soil rather than runs off, uh, breaking down eventually but releasing nutrients in the soil feeding microorganisms uh you know it's and adding uh, uh organic matter to the soil
0: yes well and um what's the thing yeah um one more question was um another thing people is really popular is uh compost tea
1: oh don't don't even get me started on that <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my uh 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 Actually, one was uh, compost tea, garden elixir or snake oil
0: garden okay, yeah, because that's yeah, that's one of those things where, okay, so I've got a composter and I'm making compost um, I mean, why I mean, all compost tea is is various different ways of of putting water through compost, making brown water and pouring the brown water and there's there's compost stuff in the water, there's nutrients in the water, right so, why, what am I trying to say here? Why would one want to do this?
1: Well, I think as a, as a food, if you need a liquid feed, you surely do get nutrients by using a compost tea, but, but the, the on compost tea for the last, you know, I don't know, 20 years or whatever, has been on, uh, first of all, a special kind of compost tea where it's aerated, and often they add different things to the... the- oh,
0: molasses and all this other crap. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then, yeah.
1: And then you spray it on the leaves, and supposedly you get a these... foliar... <laughs> no, 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 it's not even a foliar spray, which would work as, right. a, as a nutrient, but supposedly the microorganisms microorganisms in the compost are going to colonize the leaves and protect it from disease, or in the, in the soil, they could protect, you know, they, it's, a, it's another way instead of hauling compost, you know, and, and to the, to the soil, just add compost tea and you're seeding it with, uh, with um, microbes, which are beneficial. So, so that's totally false because for two reasons, first of all, when you spray it on the leaves, you're taking microorganisms that thrive in a dark, humid Nutrient rich environment. You put them on leaves, which are nutrient poor, sunny and dry. So basically, right. die. Right. They're
0: being bombarded with UV all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and then,
1: and then, as far as I was going to say, the um, seeding it in the soil. This is uh, years ago. I don't. I haven't seen this uh, for many, many years. But they used to talk about you could uh, st- people used to sell worms for your soil because you know good garden soil has a lot of worms in it. Yes. So basically, if you add worms, you'll have good garden soil, but that's not true. It's because they'll just die. Because if you have good garden soil that's rich in nutrients and organic matter, worms will, there's enough worm eggs or whatever, or or they'll travel there and, and be there. Same thing with the beneficial microorganisms. If the food is there, they'll multiply and thrive. If you just throw the microorganisms on the soil without food and the food is really bulky organic materials, so if you just throw the microorganisms in the soil without that bulky organic material that you're trying uh. to avoid having to haul uh you know pitchfork into the ground uh they're just going to die off so you know there's been a lot of experiments you know I, I before I gave this talk I was reviewing all sorts of uh literature on uh you know experiments that were done for various types of compost teas you know and you you know there's so many plants there's so many potential effects uh and so many ways of making compost tea. Basically, the summary is that uh oftentimes you do that and nothing happens. <laughs> uh sometimes you do it and you have a bad effect. Right. And sometimes you do it and you have a good effect. So you know, right. and I, I contend you could do put anything on the soil, like uh just um uh you know put some ginger ale on the soil. And if you set up enough, enough of a replicate, you know, enough so you, so you can detect just very small differences in growth and you have like a whole bunch of plants, you know, with a well-designed experiment with ginger ale, not ginger ale, you probably see some effect.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So, but, but that yeah. doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it's worth it or that it's a biologically significant effect. I mean, you know, you can see an effect.
0: Well, yeah. It's, I mean, my, my take on the compost tea is like if you if you have a plant and you pour that in the ground, you you basically water the plant with compost tea. It's getting some water and some nitrogen, and so well,
1: it gets a lot of nutrients. Potentially, I mean, yeah. compost has a lot of nutrients in it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you're you're that's the only benefit of it, uh, but it's unsustainable because I mean, I'm, like as you said, you're you're better off building the soil health because then all those things will just be in the soil and every time it rains everything that's in the soil will be there's a soil solution will be set up and it's it's available to the plant Um, well I'll
1: I'll tell you an anecdote is that I have a a good friend uh, who writes about gardening and he's a big fan of compost tea and he's going on and on and and this and that so uh so I told him I said okay like you know I'm gonna do this, but I wanna make sure that you don't say, Well, I didn't do this right, I didn't do that right. You send me a compost tea maker. The holy grail. <laughs> and, and the compost to make it. So I don't, you know, nothing. And I'll and I'll use it in my garden and we'll see uh um you know, see if there's some effect. I'll do it in the garden, I'll do it on the lawn, you know, a strip. You know what he said? He said, Your garden's too organic. <laughs> so, so then i did i did take his thing and i went to i have a friend that had a had a farm in not very rich soils like a sandy soil and and i asked him i said okay just do like part of your like just a you know the, the row of beans? i'll do some with the compost tea so i did it i found the instructions i did it and no effect wow <laughs> so i'm not oh. saying you could never get any effect from any type of compost tea on any plant, but you know you can get effect on anything from anything. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's, not, it's not worth it. It's not worth the time.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing when you, when you consider what you have to do. Where you, a lot of people talk about weed weed tea, where you take you know you do some weeding and when your garden bed you throw all the weeds in a bucket, you fill it up with water, you leave it there till it stinks to high heaven, and you pour that that juice back in the garden. Uh, yeah, it literally it was, smells like someone took yeah. a dump in the bucket <laughs>
1: <laughs> right people, people do that with comfrey they make a comfrey, yeah, comfrey
0: that's a big popular or, one. or nettles
1: that's a big thing also
0: yes yes but um i mean i wonder if you compared that to actually taking a dump in the bucket and mixing that up <laughs> which <laughs> which, <laughs> which would be the richer you can
1: uh, in that experiment
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly that might be youtube gold <laughs> Uh, and just speak to your worm point there. I've often like, cause I, I tend to do, you know, uh, kind of like what you do with your trees, but in the whole garden, like most of the beds are covered in some sort of, yeah. Some crap that's composting on the surface of the soil yeah. um, with an, on a no-till approach. Um, so it's um, anyway, I've had people comment saying you don't have red wigglers in your garden. So that's not going to break down the right way. Right. And, you know, it's just like, You know, there's like a thousand things in the soil that break that down. Even even if there was if there was no worms on earth,
1: people, you know, I I once heard
0: it would break down anyway.
1: I once heard this lecture, and the guy said it more eloquently than me. He said that you know, when you know some science, you know, if you know some some knowledge, you have certain amount of knowledge. That should open up to you how much you don't know, yeah <laughs> yes. like well, if you don't have I know about worms and if you don't have uh, these wigglers in your soil, you're not gonna they're not gonna do it right. I mean, you just add uh, it's some's happening, and we don't know everything that every reason for it, but uh, it, it's the right thing,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so and. Even if you don't have, I noticed over the years, like, because my garden was not a garden before. It was just a field. So when I first started there, I didn't have a lot of worms in the soil. And now I do. (laughs) You know, it's almost anywhere. You just reach in and, you know, there's worms in your hand sort of thing, right? Because there's more worm food in the ground. So the worms are prolific. and, And despite the fact that there's birds there all the time, killing every worm they can find, there's still an infinite amount of worms, uh, in the garden. Cause it's a great place to be if yeah. you're a worm, because there's, you know, all this stuff that they, I mean, there's all this stuff breaking down. There's all kinds of microorganisms doing that. And the worms are living off of those different types of microorganism life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> anyway, I think we've beat it to death. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great to have you on the show again there, Lee, and we'll have to have you back to talk about your, your two books. Um,
1: yeah, and uh, if people want to visit my garden, you can do it online.
0: Do <laughs> <laughs> so you do virtual tours, do you?
1: No, no, I, well, I, I do uh, workshops, Some uh, you know, uh, lecture, there's some lectures, videos, but, uh, but I do a blog, as you said, uh, every week, and... Yeah talk about and have pictures often of different bunch of my garden. And it's at uh, www.leereich.com slash blog.
0: And he also has a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, you know, some of the videos are certainly better production value than mine. Um, they almost <laughs> look like like, 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 well, they're professionally done. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're well done. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out Lee's YouTube videos. They're great. Uh, the blog's great. and His books are great. I actually like the blog. I I read the blog, blog, uh, regularly. Um, I try not to read too many because I've started doing a thing on Substack now. And if you read people's stuff, you start either sounding like them or answering their, (laughs) you know, so I, I find it's better to be in my own bubble. Yeah. And, um, while i'm writing something i'll start going on a tangent and i'll just take the tangent out and that's the next article sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> so, so and it's been it's been fun trying to develop the discipline to put out a thousand words a week which to a writer like you is probably nothing
1: um, no, it's, it's not nothing okay. uh, i go with uh, norman mailer's i think it was norman mailer said the way you write is you stare at a page. Pre, pre-computer you stare at a page and you you concentrate really hard till blood oozes from your forehead
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i had an advisor when i was in graduate school he said the secret was to write to discipline to writing 200 words a day every day don't take a day off 200 words a day yeah, every day sounds like,
1: sounds like torture
0: yeah every single day he said like and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad um he said editing doesn't count but 200 words a day
1: actually i love i love to edit but i have to say i'm not a big fan of writing even though i've written many books and i've written my weekly column since 1985 wow that's that's amazing yeah (laughs) i have to to say yes it is
0: (laughs) yeah no it's uh i don't know yeah i started doing it just to see um well, it's different than doing a YouTube video, right? Because when you're doing a YouTube video, uh, which I, I do two YouTube, I try to do two you two videos on YouTube a week. That's a discipline I wow. try to stick with. Sometimes Gee. it's rare. Sometimes I don't do it, but, you know, because it's just life gets in the way. Like I, some weeks I have to choose between being doing something with my kids or making a video. Well, that's an easy. I just can't. I have to do the kids. They have to come yeah. first. Right. Right um so there you know people that watch me ever have a week where there's only like i try to have something every saturday and i try to do something on wednesday i try to around there so i don't do a saturday to a sunday if i don't do a wednesday it's thursday morning (laughs) sort of thing um but sometimes i don't it's because i had to choose my my children (laughs) or my wife (laughs) over it (laughs) sort of thing um but uh getting in front of a camera and talking it's only interesting to watch if the person's Speaking off the top of their head, it's it's all I have to do to be boring is put a lot of thought and research into <laughs> what I'm going to talk about. For me, anyway, um, right. like it has to be kind of spontaneous. I might have a few bullets, like okay, I'm going to talk about this, then this, then that, but that's it. Um, so, you know, I'm always because I have an academic background. I'm never satisfied with the way I've covered a topic because I haven't been thorough. I haven't chased down all the counter right. arguments and all right. that sort of thing, right. I haven't organized it properly with the categories and the you know, so uh, being able to write, um, I can I can scratch that itch and offer a different kind of yeah, uh, different kind of thing. but uh, it's definitely a different process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, I just heard my dinner bell go off.
0: Ah, okay, right on, perfect. All right, Lee, uh, so uh, thanks for coming to the show. We'll definitely have you on again in the next couple months. Uh, We'll be in touch. And uh, everybody out there, uh, if you enjoyed this video, I hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. And until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for watching. Thanks a lot, Lee.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming back soon. Cheers. Bye.
0: All right, great. (laughs) Hey, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here, go to Vessies.com to buy whatever you need for your garden this year. Use my coupon code GAVS23 to get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in the order and there's no oversized items in the order. Check out the description box of this video for details. You can buy everything you need from Vessies. They have seeds, fruit bushes and trees, soil amendments, pest solutions, tools, clothing, and lots of other stuff too. So yeah, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here and they sell something you need buy it from them using my coupon code and happy gardening